The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. you guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts i'm jade bryce and i'm so grateful that you're here all right I know the last few episodes have been a little sex heavy, and I promise you the next few after this one are different themes up to come is Heather Ashamara on female archetypes and Shervine on health, but I wanted to read a quote to you that is a favorite of mine and today's guest. If you want to know where your true power lies, go to the places you've been told to fear the most your orgasm, your period, labor and birth, menopause, all processes that involve your pussy. That's Regina Thomas-Hauer, Mama Gina from a few episodes back, a queen that changed my life. So I, I wanted to read that quote to you because I've had this theme going because there is so much power in it. And I hope you are waking up to that with me. I'm also really digging into my religious woundings and would love any guest suggestions from you along that theme as well. Okay, so our guest today is a sex, love, and embodiment coach who had a profound journey to embodiment after a divorce. Through that breaking open, she now knows herself intimately on a sexual, sensual, emotional, and spiritual level. She's falling more in love with herself every day and is helping others do the same. She helps women amplify their confidence, truly know their desires, and create a life that turns them on. She believes the key to transformation is through the body. I know that she has been such a voice of true wisdom and reason at times that I've felt really shaky and uncertain. I'll reach out to her and she just gives me such a loving, simple, yummy, but not always easy, <laughs> flood of wisdom that I know right away is just truth. She's able to channel that because she embodies it herself through the integration she's done in her own life. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her today. Please help me welcome Brim Daler to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I feel like um, 
I've been wanting to, we have such great conversations already. And I, I, you know, said in the intro that there's been so many times where I just was feeling really stuck in between two different, like polarizing emotions in myself or just really needing clarity. And that, uh, you know, I was able to reach out to you and it was just like sound grounded Mm -hmm. advice. Uh, Mm -hmm. very, very, uh, just how beautiful your essence is and how it's so evident and, um, what you've been able to offer me that work that you've done on yourself, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like a scripted, here's what you do. It's a very like, this is what's worked for me basically. Um, and so I just want to thank you for that. And then, yeah. And then, um, yeah, through, through that, through, you know, experiencing that through you, there was always this feeling of like, I really need to get this on the mic, (laughs) but finally, I'm glad that we're finally doing it. Um, I would love for you to share your story. And I know that a big part of your story of what led to where you are today is, you know, you leaving what one would call like a safe relationship and search for more. And I had posted that on the Instagram uh, story the other day, asking people if they had any questions for you. And I like every single response was like, why leave a safe relationship? Like everyone was so mad. And so I was like, oh, I could have used better wording here. Like Mm -hmm. safe is we're all, we all desire safety and Mm -hmm. someone who gives us safety does, you know, I, I made it sound like, well, they're not good enough, you know? So, um, so, uh, just wanted to to say that before you go into it, that, um, what would feel safe, but maybe not, um, is meeting our needs. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I love that distinction. I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny to think about, like I pictured an angry mob with pitchforks, like, why would you do that? (laughs) Um, as, you know, my experience has showed me it takes so much bravery and so much courage to leave. And mm-hmm. so um, I would hope that anyone listening knows that even if it is safe, like you said, may still be something that whether it's an internal knowing, which I like to think that my um, my path was guiding me to is um, it really was just this internal pull to leave the relationship. Mm-hmm. And looking back so to give a little history and context um, my ex and I or my previous partner as I like to say instead we were together for 10 years I met him at 20 years old so a baby right out of the nest of my parents or college and straight into the arms of a man that was ready to take care of me Mm -hmm. and looking back I can see so clearly that he, I mean, he was my best friend. He was so perfect for me in that moment. And a big reason why he was so perfect was my script that I was viewing the world with and that I was ready to cast him in my movie for was the rescuer. Like I, I really mm. wanted to be rescued. Yeah. And even though my mother told me the opposite, we don't learn by what our parents tell us. As you know, I know you're such an amazing mother. We learn through what we see, what we hear, and what we feel, mm-hmm. a combination of those. And so although her words were find independence and build a life for you, what I saw and what I felt from her was when a man leaves, everything will suffer. Everything will be hard. 
You will mm-hmm. struggle financially. You will struggle emotionally and everything will be volatile until a man comes. Mm. So that was my story. That was my context. And, you know, Disney movies didn't really add <laughs> a different alternative. And yeah. so I was just I hard. That's why they call it Cinderella syndrome. Right. Oh, that was me through and through. Yeah. And right before I met Chris, I had, I wouldn't even call it a declaration because I don't think I understood yet what it was really like to talk with God and to, to have a spiritual connection. But I was in a really dark place where I had been using my body for attention. It's how I knew to get love from my father was to be beautiful enough for his affection. And so when I went out into the world, what I saw was uh, men will love you if you are a certain level of attractiveness and um, don't be emotional because that will chase them away. Mm. So when you strip the emotion away and you just have your body, well, what did we have left? We had sex. And so I'd gone from man to man to man looking for love and just, and I know so many women that resonate with this story. Mm -hmm. Every time I left another situationship or sexual connection, feeling so much more hopeless and disconnected from myself. And so I was at this place of despair of just like, God, why, why do I keep finding these men? And it was shortly after that, um, I had just gotten broken up with, I was heartbroken. And I, instead of my normal routine, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do something different. I've been getting the same results for a decade now. So I'm going to try something different. So I flew my, or flung myself into exercise, which was new for me at the time. And my previous partner happened to be uh, the, the trainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, So we met, we fell in love, and it was the perfect relationship because his script was that he needed to be the savior. He Mm -hmm. felt importance when he could come in and lead and be in charge and rescue. Mm -hmm. That's what his model was. So you take someone who needed to be rescued and you pair them with someone who loves to rescue and Mm -hmm. they live happily ever after until they don't. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until around year maybe seven or eight that I started to ask some questions, some really hard questions of, well, yes, my relationship was so safe. In fact, it was like painstakingly so. I was really missing and starting to crave novelty and adventure mm. and this sense of doom of like, is this really going to be it? And what happened was I just I started to question because at 25 years old, I had two businesses, a marriage, a home, a community. I had everything society said you're supposed to have to be happy. And I was, I was miserable. I was really, really just floating through life, going through the motions. And I remember this doom feeling of God, there has to be more. This cannot be it. And so I started to ask questions of what is the more, what does more look like? And at the time I had no clue what that question would lead me to. Um, but it led me to Austin, Texas for a conference where I met someone in line at the bathroom, just like a total divinity where didn't even know this person now happens to be one of my better friends. And this man was such a catalyst for me because I saw the way that he was holding himself and he had something that I wanted. He had Mm -hmm. peace and confidence and just looked so comfortable with being different I was at a health conference and he was shirtless, smoking tobacco in the sunshine (laughs) and was wearing 
(laughs) the norm around here totally and in my head I'm like this guy just marches to the beat of his own drum and I'm looking for different I'm looking for something different little Mm -hmm. did I know what he was about to share with me would change the course of my life which was to go down the path of personal development he had a program that he recommended which was the start of my journey in psilocybin And within six months, I had gone through this personal development course, and I had gone on my first psilocybin journey, and that was the beginning of my unbecoming, as you might say. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I know that I have that um, Cinderella syndrome. I I seek to be saved, um, even still. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know if it's something that, like, women ever, because I think it's part of the feminine like to want the masculine to swoop in, you know, like, um, yeah. So I, I do want to talk to you about that a little bit, but before we move to that, um, because I'm sure some people would think hearing it, well, could you have found more and stayed in the relationship since it was safe? Right. And you posted a quote that hit me so hard. It was, Don't let this tainted self-love trend have you 50 and alone because you walked away from everything that didn't serve you instead of learning conflict resolution. And it hit me so freaking hard because there I've, I've had the, this doesn't serve my highest good. So it's not for me, but like, that's what I've thought, you know, and, and that last line of learning conflict resolution, like maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm really needing is just better conflict resolution, you know? So I uh, wanted to talk about where you're at when you, like, when you read that, what did you feel? Yeah. I mean, even to this day, when you read it, I get full body chills when I hear yeah. it because I do think there is a level of spiritual bypassing in mm-hmm. like, Oh, this isn't serving my highest and peace. I'm out. And what we're really seeing there is someone who's running either a rigid pattern or a leaving pattern. And mm-hmm. I happen to run both of those. Um, the book, mm-hmm. The Five Personality Patterns is phenomenal by Stephen Kessler. I would highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Oh, it's a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. Down to the way that energy moves through your body and where it starts in um, as early as the womb and it shows you your body type and the way that you basically leave um, and protect yourself during overwhelm. and. Mm-hmm. When I hear that quote, I think, oh, that's the perfect enmeshment of my two patterns, rigidity and leaving, where if I can't I control you, yes, if I, I can't control the other three, but I have those. Totally. Yeah. And you have, you have a primary pattern and a secondary. And so my primary pattern is rigidity, a rigidity. And so mm-hmm. I learned that from my mother. I not that word either. Oh, right. No, it's not all- sexy. No, there's nothing sexy about a rigid woman or a rigid human. And learn to control. I learned that that's what keeps me safe is to manipulate control. And and it's subtle. It's so subtle. So Mm -hmm. looking back at when I left my marriage, what happened was I was in deep overwhelm. I could not see my way out of mm, this feeling of stuckness, this feeling of lack, my needs not being met. Now hindsight is 2020 and looking back, I have zero regrets. I mean, yeah. zero because I see who we are on the other side mm-hmm. and it is 
without a shadow of a doubt that we are both the most evolved, powerful. Yeah, I broke y'all open. Completely. Yeah. And I also know that if I were to have taken full responsibility, this is now one of my guiding questions. If I had to take full responsibility for how I operated in that relationship, I would have stayed longer. Absolutely. And it Mm -hmm. was actually part of my grief and my heartbreak was to be with the fact that I could have stayed. Mm -hmm. I had to be with that. And I had to be with that there's many realities. And one of the realities was that I could have stayed and I could have made it work. And going through the imposter syndrome of that and the feeling of being a fraud or a failure. um, Yeah, so... I didn't take full responsibility and I'm actually at a place now where I can comfortably say that mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know. And therefore, how can you do that if you don't yeah. know how to? Um, and you I may did, have never learned how to had you not left and realized exactly. that you didn't, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it was all perfect. I did learn one really beautiful tool that helped with the clearing of resentments and the stonewalling that I was used to operating in my relationship Mm -hmm. um, called holding the bucket. Okay. And I remember it was towards the beginning of the separation. We hadn't declared yet that we were divorcing, but I had listened to my gut that I needed space, that knowing. And the knowing I really believe is a combination of our facts and our feelings. It almost feel like it's where those two things intersect one another. And we may not realize it at the time, but what I had been doing essentially for 10 years was collecting facts over how my needs were not being met mm-hmm. and the feeling of consistently being hmm, what I would say is ignored or um, gaslit at times. Mm, and so- I'm doing all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I really believe the knowing is when those things collide and it resonates inside of you and there's this Mm -hmm. ping, like, ooh, there's something here. Um, But once that knowing came, you know, Chris and I had a lot to clear. We really did because we weren't good at conflict resolution at that time. And so a mentor of mine said, you're going to do something called holding the bucket. And so what we did was we went upstairs and I sat in front of him, palms up and open, sitting upright, chest exposed. And I sat there and I held a metaphorical and um, bucket for him to unleash any and all emotional withholds for the past 10 years. Mm, so this was after the separate after the separation? It was when I had said that I was ready to leave, but I didn't know what that meant yet. So we knew that we had reached a breaking point and Mm -hmm. we knew that there was stuff to work through, but we didn't really have the tools yet. And this was Mm -hmm. one of the tools that really helped to create intimacy. Oh my gosh. I remember sitting there with just tears streaming down my face. And my one job was I couldn't say anything in return. I could ask, tell me more, or is there more there? Mm -hmm. But no projections, no sharing what I was feeling, just really holding the space for his masculine and feminine to fully be expressed. And I remember shortly after that, we actually had some of the best sex of our entire marriage because Mm -hmm. we removed all of the blocks that we had both been holding between one another. And yet we still went towards divorce, but it was a really profound way to make sure that we were starting to touch the things that were unsaid. 
because that is ultimately part of taking full responsibility. Yeah. Mm. Man, that sounds really powerful. <laughs> it gives me a little bit of anxiety because, um, you know, I know me and my partner are at, are at that point of, of like, we've hit that defining moment of like, wow, this is not working. This is, we're not like, this is not serving our highest good, you know, and, and to, to envision us doing the holding the bucket, um, it, it almost feels like we're not, um, like we would take it so personal, you know, mm -hmm. like, and we would, uh, we would do all the projections and, and, you know, like, I almost feel like, well, if we took MDMA, we could do that. So I really admire y'all's uh, courage and strength to, to be able to hold the bucket and in a sense, just hold the space without mm -hmm. having to let your ego get involved and say, that's not what happened. Or like, that wasn't my intention, you know? Um, but I also see that because you were at that point, you were already so broken open that it was like, you probably were already feeling so sad and sorry, as well as so hurt and resentful, you know? Yeah. Um, I was. And I, oh, the, the thought I wanted to bring up about the rigidity too, because you said that um, it was modeled for you. I feel like rigidity is such a trauma response to either you were raised in that way, like very, very controlling, or you were raised in a way where like you never knew what to expect. You never had any sense of stability. And so rigidity is now your safety. And that's what I, I lean on. You know, I went to so many different schools and I just, we never, we never had any predictability, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my rigidity is like, for me, it's structure and like, things are a certain way and I know what to expect, you know? And, and as a kid, I would watch the same movies over and over and over just so I had a sense of predictability, you know? Um, so I wanted to speak just a moment on that, that it's typically a trauma response. And then for those who are in that situation and are desiring more or feeling like their needs aren't met, whether the relationship is like, because we say like, we, that's the other thing about calling it a safe relationship. I want to specify that it's the, you still seeking safety, like you still want a yeah. safe relationship, but also yeah. with the, uh, the rest that you're craving. Um, mm -hmm. but for those who are seeking that, what are the questions that you would recommend they ask before leaving? Yeah. So I'll never forget where I was when this happened. This actually happened to be a question I was asked in a different relationship, but it's still, if I'd had these questions, the answer would have been the same. So number one was the first question that I am now clear on to ask myself. And this one came for me is, have I taken full responsibility? Have I owned every part of this relationship there's the I, there's the you, and then there's the we. And have I owned the I? Like, have I really done my due diligence in clearing withholds, bringing to the table and putting in the reps? Because especially if it's been a long-term relationship, you know, um, Annie Lala says this. She's like, you're already at the gym. You're at the gym. You have your shoes on. You know, do you really want to join another gym yet before really making sure that this gym is not for you? And I love that because it's, it just lets you take away the urgency of like, I have to leave now um, because I don't know about you, but that's where my body goes. Yeah. Leaving. I'm like, I got to get out of here. 
Because it's there's this feeling of like I can't live this way. There's this feeling of like it's going to stay this way forever. So I like I think because it's also a trauma response. But it's like I get this suffocating feeling of like it's not going to change. I got to get out of here, you know. Yeah, and same animal. Yeah, and I think the safety that we also are craving in the relationship, the type of safety we're speaking of, is when we speak that this isn't working for me, we need a new strategy, that the partner does the work and um, is committed to the relationship enough to say, let's look at a new strategy. And and it's never so that we never have that feeling of this isn't going to change. I have to, I have to get out of here. You know, well, if you think about vulnerability, part of the reason why I imagine it's so hard is because every time we're vulnerable, we risk the relationship. We are so willing to bring the thing forward for the sake of it being the most important truth that will then take us all to the next level. And we're willing to risk the relationship failing or for lack of a better word, it's failing, but uh, the relationship transitioning Mm -hmm. um, that we bring our truth forward. And that's why to me, it always feels so challenging. So, you know, this is not for the faint of heart and To get back to the question, so number one is, have I taken full responsibility? Number two, and this was the question I was about to share, um, the divinity of it is I was in a clubhouse room, which I'm not even on clubhouse anymore, Um, but there was a time where it was like really blowing up and I was in a different relationship at the time and my knowing had said it's time to go, but because I had just left my marriage not that long ago, I was in a state of really questioning my picker and like not being sure if I could trust my intuition. No. I'm like, so I wanted a sounding board and I find myself in this room with Annie Lala, who's a love coach and charges a lot of money for the hour. Mm-hmm. And as she should, she's incredible. And when I was in the room, there were like four of us and she's just given free advice. And I'm thinking, okay, this is so divine. So Mm -hmm. I remember telling her um, at the time I said, you know, Annie, I'm in a relationship that every time um, I get stronger, because at the time I was going through some health issues, every time I get stronger, I can't help but think this isn't it. This isn't for me. But I'm confused because when I feel weaker, I, I seem to really attach to him. And so I asked for a clarification between my head and my heart. And she gave me two questions that changed me forever that I now use in conjunction with responsibility. The first one is, is this person helping you to fall more in love with yourself and more in love with your life? It's so good. Oh, it gives me goosebumps. Um, and immediately it was a resounding no. I, you know, I, I would leave the relationship mm. at times feeling depleted, unfulfilled, questioning myself. And again, this is all on a spectrum. It's not like, you know, if there's one day of the relationship where this mm-hmm. happens, we don't play by. But if the general trend is, I feel less in love with myself and less in love with my life, that's a point of question. Like we get to I'm pause. Because I feel like a lot of women would actually answer that question, no, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I have so much compassion. If you heard that and all of a sudden you're hit with a wave. Um yeah because I've been there multiple times. And I remember Glennon Doyle saying this, that, you know, our number one job is to never disappoint ourselves. Mm -hmm. And 
it does. It takes so much courage and bravery to not disappoint ourselves over someone else. But I knew in that moment, if I were to stay, I would be disappointing myself. Mm. But then what really put the nail in the coffin was the third question that I now use as my trio is, is this the future father of my child? And when I connected to the spirit of my daughter, who I can feel all of the time just circling, it was no, no, mommy, this isn't it. Mm. And I still, I mean, I get teary-eyed just thinking about it now because it was such a profound spiritual moment where it, the questioning was gone. Now it was a matter of, okay, when are you going to tell him? Um, because no one wants to break someone's heart that you love. And even when you're the one leaving, it's still heartbreaking. Uh, but the truth was there and I couldn't unsee it after that. Yeah, man. Ooh, those are potent questions. Yeah. And, you know, my children already being five and six, it's it's like even more of a visual of like what they need, knowing what their individual needs are already, like mm -hmm. what they really need in a father archetype, you know, to like really ask that question feels so, so strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, um, <laughs> I, I keep thinking of like the second question too, like almost going, going deeper into that. Um, I, cause there's part of me that wonders like about the responsibility, like if our relationship is causing us to love ourselves less, like how do we know when it's because of our partner or because of ourselves, you know, like that's a hard part. And I do think that that's where taking space comes into play. And I don't believe taking space, like looking back, mm, I was not tending to our collective garden when I took space. You can't, you can't work on the relationship mm -hmm. while ignoring the relationship. Mm -hmm. I was working on my individual garden and I needed to. And so that may be a really important part of someone's process. If the best example I have is sometimes I'm a huge empath, as I imagine you are too. Mm -hmm. And as a coach and just an empath, I feel so deeply. And so what will happen is I'll start to feel an emotion that doesn't feel like mine. And the best thing I can do is take physical space, walk mm -hmm. away. And mm -hmm. if the emotion starts to dissipate, then I know that's not mine. And mm -hmm. the same thing I imagine appears to be true in a relationship is if you take physical space, doesn't even have to mean you're exiting the relationship, like go to an Airbnb for a couple of days, mm -hmm. go to a girlfriend's house, just get out of the house, get out of their energy and see. And see like, how you feel. Yeah. yeah. You feel yeah. better in their space or are in your own space. Yeah. Exactly. And it may not even be a permanent thing. It's just, you're really being with your own energy. And for me, as someone who merges easily at times, mm -hmm. it's really important for me to take alone time and space for me to be with my body. Because that's actually when I'm happiest. It's like my whole life. Like I love, I love, I love being around people. I love my sisters, my, my <laughs> sacred sisterhood, uh, my best friends, you know, but there's no one I rather like spend a month nonstop with than my best friend, Tom Shadiak. But <laughs> I love my alone time. Like I feel like I'm in bliss sometimes when I'm just alone. Um, 
And it doesn't mean that I like, I prefer being single, even though being single is so much easier. There's no one holding up a mirror nonstop to you. Um, but there's just, I don't know. I just, I love my solitude so much. Uh, it's so rejuvenating for me. So it's, I, I see that like, there's that too, to navigate in that, but, um, you know, looking at all of my relationships, uh, I don't know that I've had one that like made me love myself more, but it may have been that I know, and it's a sad truth to say out loud, but it may have been that like, it taught me to choose myself and that taught me to love myself more. So it was still some sort of a gift, but it wasn't like their love taught me to love myself more. You know, it was more the pain. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel that I feel that really deeply. And I, um, I'm single right now and I'm, I'm actually on a masculine cleanse, Mm. (laughs) uh, which I had avoided for a really long time. I kept hearing the phrase being thrown around in the community and in personal development. And what eventually led me to say yes was another heartbreak was going into a relationship that didn't work out and going, okay, I'm the common denominator here. And so I had to go back to that place of taking radical responsibility and realizing if I keep attracting the same kind of partner, there's something here that I haven't been willing to look at or see. That's what I'm really looking at right now because like water seeks its own level. So if I drew in this partner, that that was my match. Like that that was the frequency I was sending out that brought that in. So it doesn't always mean, so like if I've been in a relationship for three years, it doesn't necessarily mean right now, like, I need to fix that right now so I don't call in the same partner because in the three years, maybe I've grown so much that that wouldn't be my energetic match right now. You know, there's that to look at it as well, which is really refreshing, but still having the awareness of instead of this was not the right relationship for me, like the, you know, I don't really like using the word right, but you know, you get it actually looking at, well, what, why did I call it in? What needs where was I like putting out there into the universe, you know, like what, what was the energetic, energetic side of it, you know? Um, So I've really been looking at that. It's powerful. I love that you're looking at it. And I don't know if this has come up for you, but there are times where I get really angry. Like I'm Mm -hmm. angry that that's what I attracted. I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. Um, And what someone said to me was the best way to go to the next level um, because ultimately, like I love developing myself because I, I feel so much more connected to myself when I feel that I'm in alignment with my, my purpose and my growth. And I also know integration and rest is important, but what they said to me was, you want to get to the next level and you want to attract a different frequency of man, then you must fully occupy the level at which you're at. Yeah. So occupy yes that resonates but at the same time um (laughs) the thing that is frustrating for me that like you said some anger comes up the thing that frustrates me and I feel it might resonate for you because you're on a similar path as I am is that like I am daily on the growth path like it is it I I can't not be like it's who I am you know and and so I'm constantly evolving and so I can step into a relationship and then within a year feel like a completely different woman who's evolved into a completely different thing. And so it almost feels like, will I ever 
be able to find a partner that a year later, two years later, three years later, I can say like, we're still energetic matches, you know, like, is he going to, is he going to like pick up the, whatever the term is and like walk this with me, you know? Um, and it almost feels like too much to ask. Um, but if at least the partner can accept, like maybe attend the funerals with me of all my old selves and still celebrate the new versions of me, Mm -hmm. then that feels like that's even enough, you know? I so resonate that. I with that, I remember being, I remember the moment that I asked the question, I was in a pool, we were taking a break. It was a play party, like an educational weekend with a play party. And Mm -hmm. I was one of three single people there. Everybody else was in relationship. And that's been a lot of my life lately as I'm surrounded by a lot of people in beautiful partnerships. And on one hand, it's so empowering and it's so, it's such an expander. And it, on this insane hand, it's, it's frustrating at times because I go, I want that. I want it so badly. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying this to a friend in the pool while we were on break. And I said, you know, the deeper I go into myself and into my sexuality, the smaller the pool becomes. And that feels really scary. Of, and he said, you're right. And maybe the water gets deeper. <laughs> he said, you're right. And he goes, but think about how valuable that makes you and the level of man that you will attract once you find that person. Hmm. And that's what gives me such solace is, yes, maybe I do. Kind like hot cocoa was just poured in my mm. <laughs> You look like a delicious cup of hot cocoa today, too, with your <laughs> yummy sweater. Um, I just remember finding such solace in that of... Mm you're right. Like when that person does come and I'm really working, working on leaning back and attracting mm-hmm. versus claws out and seeking, yeah. which is a whole other tangent I can go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel that big time. so good. And I, I actually worked through this in John Wyman's program where one of my beliefs that I was holding on to was that the men I desire, like don't want me. Love is hard. Yeah, and, I had that belief. Yeah. Oh, and it stung. And and reality kept showing me that. That was my lens. So I kept yeah. finding these men that I was attracted to that wanted nothing to do with me. Yeah. And it wasn't until I moved the energy of the men I desire love me effortlessly and freely. Like really mm. that. And how even as I say it, like my chest opens, my yoni tingles, like I feel yeah. a difference in the way that I hold myself when I say that. Yeah, but I had to work on it. I really did. Whew. That's something. Yeah, that's always been. Uh, I f- I feel a wound of mine. Um, I I'm curious during this men masculine cleanse, mm-hmm. how have you been able to meet your own needs, desires, longings uh, that we tend to crave from the masculine? Because that's something that's been coming up for me. Is uh, my current partner? He's been, you know, he's had a chronic illness for. <laughs> almost half of our relationship. And so it's almost felt unfair to ask for my needs to be met. And it's almost, it's, it's just, it's not possible, you know, right now. And, and for, for a while now, for over a year. And so I've been, that's been a journey of mine because I'm so feminine. It's like really, really unnatural for me to like be the masculine for myself, but I can also see how that can be healing for me to, to open up, uh, that 
part of me. Um, mm -hmm. But my desires feel so big and so uh, like they want to take me over almost, you know, and I do, uh, you know, I do my daily pleasure practice and sometimes I do the Osho divine fuck, uh, you know, and I either use typically the man that shows up for me as Jesus or Jason Momoa, either one, they're both very like, you just feel like, no, oh, I'm about like, <laughs> But even then it's like, that's, it's, it's more than fantasy. Cause you're really doing like energetic work when you're doing it, you know, but it still feels, um, it doesn't, it's not the same as like being, um, completely like raptured and ravished by sacred unions, you know? So yeah, um, I'm curious how you're meeting those needs and what you do when um, loneliness comes up uh, or when, you know, you, I've, I, I feel that I'm able to meet my sexual urges pretty well, but there's just, there's still nothing like the sacred union doing the, mm -hmm. the tantric practices together, you know? So um, that's something that I'm also lacking currently. So I'm curious how you're meeting those needs. Yeah, it's a great question. And I've been in the inquiry myself, you know, I'm a month in. So, mm. um, and it's not like I've never been without a man in my life before, but this time's different. This time mm. it is intentional. And so, whereas in the past, there was always the um, like underlying, like, well, someone could fill this for me, whether it's a friend or um, a lover or just, yeah, someone to be in that masculine energy. And this time it's like, nope, I'm intentionally saying, no, I have to meet this myself. And I would say the first thing that I really started to look at was, have I built the most beautiful version of my life? Mm. And at first, just like the question of um, like, am I the vibrational match for this person and how it would make me angry? At first, that question pissed me off. Mm. I was frustrated because I realized the answer was no. And to me, you know, regardless of the partner, I want to have the most beautiful version of my life as much yeah. as I can for as long as I can. Yeah. And so I really had to look at like, what is there to clean up? What is there to let go of? What is there to add? So I started to ask, like, what are the what are the gaps? What's missing? I'm really grateful that I have an incredible, incredible group of women in my life that I really have poured myself into and vice versa. So that box was really full, but had it not, that would have been where I started. Mm -hmm. um, but what really was so clear was I didn't have things that lit my soul on fire that weren't related to work. I love my work so much that I could easily pour all of my time and energy into it. Mm -hmm. which I'm so blessed. Um, but I realized like I'm missing, I'm missing hobbies. I'm missing things that nourish me that a friend can't, that a lover can't, that only a, a task or not a task, a hobby or a passion could fill. And so I took up pole dancing mm. I've started to get really back into fantasy reading. Um, I've started to really look at like, what are the things that bring me joy? Um, I looked into, and I haven't found a, a troupe yet, but I want to do improv. Um, mm -hmm. And 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, so fun and like feeds this really yummy part of me that loves to act and be dramatic and mm -hmm. feminine in all of her flavors. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm currently working on. And then the longing. Oh, let's talk about the longing. Um, because when I first made this declaration, I made it very publicly because I wanted to have accountability because I knew if I kept it inside that it would mm -hmm. be really easy to break at any time. So um, I, the first few days, you're like riding the high, you're riding the high of the new declaration. It's like when you first start, um, you know, a new workout regimen or anything like the first couple of days, you're like I'm doing it. Everything's fun. I'm going to go get the food from the grocery store and like make all these yummy meals. And then reality sets in and you're like, oh shit, here I am alone again. And the thing that I would have reached for is no longer available. And mm -hmm. that alone is bringing so much healing to the surface mm -hmm. of Bryn, you can be with this intensity. You can be with the longing. You can be with the ache in your heart because I know from so many of my mentors and guides that the longing never goes away. It doesn't. It just shape shifts. The longing is always present. And, you know, Madeline Moon talk about this. John Wyland talks about this, that the feminine at her core always wants more. So if I can't be with the more on my own, I'm sure as hell not going to be able to be with the more in a relationship. And so I'm just building capacity. If I think about it, like I am an outline and my energy and emotions are the colors in the middle. I'm just widening that container. The, the drawing is getting larger and larger so I can be with more longing. I can be with more sadness and ultimately I can be with more pleasure. Um, and it, it feels almost counterintuitive because the, wide, the bigger I widen my container, the more in, like suffering at times I feel, the more sadness I feel, the more intensity. And I just have to remind myself that this will be a connection to not just more pleasure, but me being able to hold this eventually for a partner when they're going through one of their darkest times and my children. Like that gives me such purpose, this feeling of this is so much bigger than me. Um, and at times like that's what gets me through is me being with this intense longing and heartbreak is so much bigger than me because I'll hold more women here. I'll hold, hold my partner one day and I'll hold my babies in it too. And then I, I practice being in those moments of intensity and allowing myself to crack open. Right. And, and right before this call, um, I was feeling some sadness sitting under the surface, that longing. I was just with a bunch of friends on vacation and vacation is such an expansion, right? Like you're traveling, you're exploring. Um, and I happened to be with people I really loved. And so I was in such a state of love and expansion. And then I came home and the loneliness kicked in. I was like, oop, the contraction, the trip is over. And here I am alone with my thoughts. And I knew, I knew I had to be with this layer, whatever I was, at meeting that with acceptance, but I didn't want to at first. And so I sat with it for about 24 hours and it just feels like an irritant that can't, it won't go away. Like there was just this low level annoyance that I knew was basically underneath my skin saying, pay attention to me. And right before we got on, I said, okay, I'm ready to be with it. Like to me, that is emotional maturity when I'm 
aware of what I'm feeling and I know how to tend to myself, how to move through this energy and how to nurture on the other side. And so um, I jokingly said to you before the podcast, like I put myself in adult timeout Mm -hmm. and I do, I go in my bedroom, I shut all the doors, I put on a playlist and I don't come out until I feel a shift in my state. Mm. It doesn't always mean the state shift is the most optimal one, but enough where I can understand that I was with my body to move the energy. And it was interesting because the practice today was so different than every practice I've had lately. My body did not want to release the energy. Like it was mm-hmm. stuck. It, it didn't matter what song I put on, how, what thought I had in my mind, how much I moved, what sound I made, it was just stuck. And so what became so clear was, oh, can you just be with it? Can you be with this low level annoyance or this low level numbness and practice as much acceptance of it And that is what ultimately led me to going deeper, was just meeting myself where I was at with total patience. And then the phrase that cracked me was, ouch, ouch. Like I kept saying ouch to myself. And this was all intuitive. I just was breathing and moving and listening to music. And I got in the bath and I was saying to myself, like, I just want to open. I just want to open. And I couldn't. And I felt stuck. And then the word ouch came forward and that was enough for my body to recognize that's it. You're, you're in pain and discomfort. If you acknowledge it and say, ouch, and be with that ouch is that's what will let you move through. Mm. And the second I started to say, ouch, the tears poured. Um, I had my wand, my obsidian wand in the bathtub with me. And it was from that place then open to being penetrated. And ultimately that's what I wanted along was to be open and when I said and admitted my pain, I opened, I was able to penetrate myself and I feel so much more clear and connected on the other side. And had I not done that practice right before this podcast, I guarantee we'd be having a totally different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, so two things. So the first thing that I thought of was, um, you know, the energetic match and your answer being no right now. And I thought, oh, fuck. Mine is too, I think. Like my I don't know if I if I is this my energetic match, is this like enough? Is this what I you know what I mean? Like I'd want it to be even higher. But the reason why is because I would like to not be less emotional, but just be able to get a little more grounding to become emotionally sober Mm -hmm. and be able to be more responsive instead of reactive. Like those are all the things I want to work on. So it's not necessarily like my the work that I'm doing or like you know all of the other areas it's just that conflict resolution and that um like you know I just interviewed Alexa and Jordan on last week's episode and we talked about I resonated so much with how she talks about feeling like she's on this roller coaster you know and like Jordan gets to get off when he like goes to the gym or whatever but she's like always on it I feel that way I feel like I'm always on some sort of roller coaster with myself with my emotions because I I peak with my emotions so high and I drop so low and there's when you ask that question it was it was like this feeling of I want to get a hold of that a little bit more but then remembering look at how beautiful their union is, you know? So we don't have to like completely, it was a reminder, like we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to heal completely before being in relationship. It's just um, like, like you 
mentioned just knowing what you want to call in and at least feeling like a match for that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I heard my little inner critic bumping in there. And mm-hmm. then uh, I guess I had never heard of the term adult timeout, but when you talked about mm-hmm. like needing that release, it's always come for me through, I have a specific play playlist um, that's like a bunch of songs that Layla has us dance to before calls and it's typically songs, you know, about being a queen or like not giving a fuck or, you know, whatever. And uh, so I'll dance to a couple of those. My energy always shifts. And then, um, you know, having an orgasm, it always opens me up. And then sometimes just getting a book, typically like the return of the divine Sophia or a return to love or um, a woman's worth, like one of those books and just reading and not stopping until I feel a shift. Um, Mm -hmm. so those are like three things that work for me. And, um, mainly the orgasm is because we're seeking to be opened, you know, like that's typically what we're also seeking from the masculine is to open us up. Uh, so I want to transition into, into that, into the, the powers of the orgasm and maybe what are some ways we can own our orgasm. And, uh, I know, <clears throat> you and I went to a tantric event mm-hmm. where uh, I don't know, maybe there was like 30 of us and we all uh, worked with the Jade egg and, you know, like slowly op- opened ourselves and then inserted the egg. And then the magic happened from there. There were some women crying, some laughing, some orgasming, but the, I remember how moved you were afterwards when you talked about, just how slow we went, how, mm. how slow the process was. Like we really took our time. So I would love to hear about, uh, yeah, owning our orgasms and then just what it's that process, what it's been like for how powerful it is to slow down with our bodies, what you've, oh. what you've gained from that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, right before that experience, I just had and I'm going to use technical with air quotes, technically the best sex I've ever had with someone who was so skilled and so knowledgeable and had all of these tools and like on paper should have been the best fuck I've ever had. Mm. So I went into that experience. I'm picturing James and Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> I went into that experience thinking like, this is going to be the most epic sex of my life and I cannot wait. And I left in a ball of just sadness. Mm. I walked away from that experience and it rocked me, Jade, because here I am, a woman who preaches sexual empowerment and being able to fuck whoever you want. And and I still believe that, but it rocked me because I left that experience feeling anything but empowered. And so I started to question. I really started, this is where my life always shifts as I started to question. And I really sat with like, why was that the case? You know, Mm -hmm. here I am supposed to have this incredible sexual opening and I felt anything but. And what it came down to was there was no heart. Mm -hmm. There was no heart for me in that moment. There was no heart connection. And I believe you can have heart connection with someone you've just met. So it's not to me necessarily a matter of time, but a matter of allowing that process of opening my heart, which in turn would have opened my yoni. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that. And so then fast forward, 
Seven days later, I had no idea what this tantric event was going to look like, but I get this embodied experience of heart and what it really felt like to let her fully open. Mm. And that, you know, it was three hours. So I essentially was in foreplay for three hours. Yeah. On with food and with touch and safety and dance. And so by the time that egg was inside of me and I was ready, I remember she said, like, take the egg and sort of like circle it around. um, Remembering it. Yeah. Oh, same. And I remember in that moment, it was like everything clicked inside of me. And it was like this, this is what it is like to wait to be Mm. open. To suck that egg up. I was just dripping with anticipation and so momentarily I felt such bliss with some of like the deepest heartbreak because here I was 32 and I had never had that before and I remember thinking oh my god this changes everything because Mm -hmm. I had never been willing to treat her with such intention and such slowness and I had heard I'd been in the sexual development world for years and I'd heard from countless people you know take time to let her open but until I'd had that embodied level of openness I don't think I ever would have fully understood and so on the other side of that it was like whoa okay I am making a commitment here and now to never let her be penetrated by myself or another until she's there yes fully kept that commitment in all of my pleasure practices and it's maddening sometimes because I don't want to I got rid of all my vibrators I've only committed to using crystal wands in my hands and when I have pleasure practices I treat myself like a fucking queen like I really do what's hard though is so all of this resonates and and I had already been taking Layla's like pre-course so I'd already been doing the like slow down practices but the thing is now is I feel like I'm constantly wanting to be penetrated and I'm constantly already like wanting to be open that the moment I get into my pleasure practice I feel like she's like my yoni is already like sucking the wand in like she's already wet like she's already ready and it's like I'm kind of like living from that place right now and it's almost sorry <laughs> oh is there a problem <laughs> like, uh, is that a problem <laughs> it just it, it's very stimulating like I feel mm. like I'm always wanting penetration and really it feels electrifying it feels amazing because also I know that's where I can write from you know yes. it's where I can create from but because that's where I'm at and how my um my pleasure practice has become so divine and like holy. It's almost like uh, I have really high standards when I'm with a human, you know, and it's almost like it's a lot for a guy to hold. And like the, the thing that was coming to me this week uh, in my pleasure work was, or pleasure play, I'll say, I don't, I don't like pleasure work sounds weird. Let's say pleasure play. <laughs> um was I want to be fucked like a goddess by my partner who knows he is a god and Mm -hmm. it like yeah to me it was like I almost didn't want to say it out loud because I didn't feel like 
it could be understood like by another like it would sound so like all right jade like <laughs> but i like when i when i felt that it was like like floodgates opened inside me just like of desire and longing and um yeah so it feels uh, like all of that resonates but i also feel this sadness of like now it's like i'm only like i'm almost like I'm the only one that's able to meet it for myself right now. Cause it's like so much, you know, and it's also, I'm wanting it all the time, that type of penetration and that type of connection. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it's like, I'm also like wanting my whole day to be foreplay, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I'm sure that the, the, you know, I, beginning of last year, I was so sexually repressed and hadn't worked through any sexual trauma. And then I, I, I feel the pendulum has swung. And so maybe there's going to be some balance or maybe this is part of my work and who I'm, how I'm supposed to live and how I'm supposed to create. I don't know, but it's where I'm at right now. Uh, I love love it. And it resonates with every fiber of my being. Um, Yeah. The more I fuck myself open, the more I crave to be fucked. And um, I I've been building these pleasure stacks that are, they're a lot and they are, it's just, it's being with, the um yeah understanding that like how do I go back from here and I'm in this place of inquiry I don't know that I do or I just know uh, Alexa talks about this actually of there are different kinds of fuck there's like the fuck for the relationship like the relationship just needs to fuck and it can be primal and raw yeah Yeah, and a quickie and then sometimes there is that slow just beautiful devotional lovemaking and sometimes it's you know, sexploration and we're going into um, something new. And so it's not usually as hot because we're, we still got our training wheels on and we're trying to figure something out for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe that balance is just getting familiar with all of the flavors and knowing they're all available to you. And there may be some that you crave more than others mm-hmm. and um, that there are different flavors available. And I, I wish I had more because I'm I'm in the same place as you, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that the way we both got to this place is by sexual development, by spending yeah. money on our sexuality. And uh, we, I know we both say similar things a lot. Like I say a lot that, you know, many of the problems in the world stem from like deep roots of sexual trauma. And I know you said every issue we have in the world is reflected in our sex. You know, it's very, it's a very similar saying. So maybe you can speak on why it's so important that we spend money on our sexuality and why our sexual development is so important. Ooh, um, so I have- Some people listening to this may be a little intimidated of like, I don't want to get there. They sound like they're having a hard time. (laughs) I, what I think is so cool, though, is we're going to look back on this moment and we'll each have had our own individual breakthrough to the next level yeah. and we'll go, oh, that's, that's what was next. But this is where yeah. we are. We're in total acceptance of it. It's and so worth it. Yeah. Curiosity of what's next. Yeah. Um, and it's cool, too. Like We're both in technically different places in, in relationship, but yet mm-hmm. having the same edge that we're meeting yeah. up again. Um, so in terms of... Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. Can you say it one more time? Uh, well, first of all, with you saying that we're kind of in a similar situation, but in a different like relationship experience, like it makes me 
laugh that like I'm thinking it's probably easier to be single yeah, and you might be thinking it's easier to be in a relationship but we're in the same fucking boat <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to see if you could speak to how important it is that we spend money on our sexuality and yeah. that why our sexual development is so important oh gosh yeah so I reached this point where I had done so much personal development. I had done mindset work, um, neuro-linguistic programming. I had done um, EMDR, like you, I did plant medicine. I just kept doing the work and doing the work, but it wasn't translating to sex. It just wasn't. And I remember uh, Alexa saying that, like when you start to shift to sexual development, it translates outward but the other pieces don't necessarily translate to sex. And that was really true for me, where I could understand the limiting beliefs that I had and work my way through them and change my mindset. But when I met myself in the bedroom, I was still a little girl through and through. Mm -hmm. So it felt like it wasn't transferring. And so when I started to work though on my sexual development, everything shifted. My confidence went through the roof. I was in so much more pleasure. I was understanding desires, not only in the bedroom, but everywhere else, because I kept having to practice like meeting someone in the most vulnerable state ever, naked and open to being penetrated. And if I'm able to communicate my yeses and nos there, damn straight that I'm going to be able to do that in other places. And there was just something so alivening about um the tabooness too of it all of like really being with the part it, it's shadow work right like we're looking at the parts of ourselves that we've repressed being unwilling to look at what society has said you're bad or wrong for wanting this and it was a reclamation it was i'm not bad or wrong in fact this makes me more of me when i own my sexuality i it felt like this thing that had been missing inside of me all along like the puzzle piece connected and it felt like oh, that's you, you and all of your aliveness, including your sexuality. And I just felt more and more of a bad bitch. The more that I did the work sexually, the more I just really felt myself. And what's interesting, I had this realization the other day was I've gotten really into kink and BDSM. And it occurred to me that I've never had a partner that where we got to play in kink and BDSM, I've only ever paid for it. So I've mm -hmm. technically paid and hired sex workers multiple times. Mm -hmm. And it was such an interesting and like really gentle, like shattering of what it means to hire a sex worker. Cause I'm like, oh, yeah. I've hired a dominatrix. I've hired a dom to teach mm -hmm. me what it is to be submissive. And, and why is it okay to hire a therapist or a dance instructor, but not this? Exactly. And it was such a gentle aha, like, oh, you've hired sex workers and you really like it and they've taught you a lot. Great. Continuing. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I really, uh, I'm so excited to share that with my audience and, and your audience of if it's unavailable to you in partnership, then hire the person that can show you the way. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear about, about that, about what play parties and kink has done for you. Um, mm -hmm. And also maybe you can speak to, you brought up 
if you're not having it in your partnership, maybe you can hire it, but how do we make our partners feel safe for us to do it? Mm. Um, I'm in partnership and I would love to experience some female, uh, female only uh, play parties. That's what I'm really craving, but my partner would not feel safe with that. So how do we create safety for that? And also just what has it done for you? I'm so excited mm. to hear yeah. So ultimately, you know, when we feel lack of safety, so many times it's connected to the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine for a lot of our partners that would feel really unsafe with this, it's because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. And so you could start with um, having just a really open conversation where everything's on the table. What questions do you have? What are you afraid of? What are your boundaries? So desires, boundaries, and fears going into that together so that you're just being really open and honest with like what's coming up for you Mm -hmm. and, you know, having the patience to know that they may not be there yet and there may need to be an opening. I know that was something I really lacked in my relationship was the compassion that he wasn't there yet. And I just wanted to barrel through and continue. And what I was doing was I was bulldozing through his edges instead of being willing to dance with them. Uh, And that's creating drama for him. Right. And so um, you could also have a joint conversation with the person that you want to hire. So I hired a professional dominatrix and had my partner maybe been concerned. Then we bring in the third party and say like, I'm not even going to commit to anything, but my partner really has questions. And could you walk them through like what we'll do together? So you remove from being the teacher in that moment and allow somebody else to step in and say, hey, like this is what we're going to do. And um, that could help create that safety. And uh, I, I just, it occurred to me that a lot of people don't know what play parties are. So maybe you can also, like, I just realized like people are probably like, what? Why, why why don't they feel safe for you to play? So sure. maybe you can speak to what a play party is and what happens at them and what, yeah. what type of healing you've received. Mm, oh my gosh, um, so much. So a play party is a safe, consensual space to play with your sexual desires where anything can be on the table as long as it's safe and sane. And it's not only accepted, but it's encouraged because there's different rooms in which you can explore your own fantasies and desires, everything from, you know, impact play to dominance and submission to um, uh, sex with three people to just being a voyeur and watching, right? There's all different levels. And what's really lovely is there are these just super safe and sex positive spaces where it's all encouraged. And you can go and be just an observer all the way to like your wildest fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's in those spaces that I practice, right? Like as a single woman, it's not always realistic for me to go out and find someone that I'm willing and want to play with. But at these parties, a lot of times they're being vetted. They're going through an application process. There's education if they're done right about how to practice consent and boundaries. One of my favorite things that the party I went to said was, when someone says no to you, you say thank you for honoring yourself and you walk away. Mm, that's so good. Like if that's what happened every time I said no in the real world, I would say no every fucking day that's all day so long, right? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I I normally ask at the end of every show, I normally ask a little lightning round of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but instead maybe you can tell a story and maybe we will still have time for the lightning round. I'm not sure. I've got to go uh, pick up my kids from school. So we'll see, but uh, maybe you can tell a story about like, maybe you can share one experience that was the, that stands out for you. That was the most healing when it came mm-hmm. to either play party um, BDSM or kink and um before we go into that though so maybe like think on what what comes up for you oh you haven't okay cool so one little thing that I would like you to touch on before you go into that is is pleasuring yourself in front of a mirror um Mm -hmm. because I know that was uh that's part of your of your healing story as well and I think too like for people listening to this um something that I I really Oh, it was like a permission slip from you was like knowing that our sexual energy is one of the most powerful things about us, but not having shame about it. Cause I feel like a lot of women, so women, especially hearing your sexual energy is one of the most powerful things about you. It can almost feel triggering and like, what? No, it's my brain or it's my heart or, you know, and, and instead to like allow that to be something that feels opening you know, and, and actually exciting and, and that you bring your brain and your heart into that, you know, that it's not separate. Um, so I want to thank you for that permission slip. And then, um, I don't know if you, if you feel like you can briefly share on pleasuring yourself in the mirror, or if you just want to go straight into the story, it's up to you. Ooh, that's a, oh, there's so many things. I'll do my best to keep it brief. Um, okay. Yeah. And it, it was actually John Wyland who helped me make that connection about um, feeling so powerful in my sex because we were doing an embodiment practice and I raised my hand and asked the question of, I feel like I bring sex to every embodiment. And I was having shame yeah. in that moment. Me too. And he asked me, he said, well, do you like it? Does it feel good for you? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, it feels good for me. Yeah. And he goes, great, then keep doing it. He said, if you get pleasure from your own sexual energy, then keep doing it. And that's where it clicked for me of like, I do this for me because when I'm in my sexual power, I feel unstoppable. I feel unfungible. I feel on top of the world. And so for me, being in that energy, it's for me. And then there is discernment when we bring another into it, because if they aren't consenting to it, that's obviously where we have a problem. But for as long as I'm single, I'm going to keep running this energy for myself as much as I want, or when I'm in my own energy. So in terms of pleasuring in front of a mirror, um, that was part of my, also my reclamation of the beginning of my sexual development, where I thought I've never spent time with the most powerful part of my body. Mm, I had most sacred part too. Yeah. like literally the portal in which life exits me and enters the world. Mm -hmm. And there was sadness and shame and guilt and disgust. I mean, all of it. Like when I first looked at her in the mirror, it was an assignment given to me. Um, I felt a wave of emotions. I'd also done a small dose of psilocybin. (laughs) Um, And I remember again, like this been such a theme of this podcast today is meeting myself where I was at meeting her where I was at. And I just kept meeting myself with each level of first it was sadness, then it was anger, then it was disgust. And I just kept moving through the waves until ultimately I saw her for exactly what she was, which was just beautiful, glistening, um, 
like this thing inside of me that I had never taken the time to just honor and respect. Mm -hmm. I left the practice being in awe. Like I remember like Mm -hmm. and seeing every fold and color and glistening and feeling just lit up by my body. But it took me having to sit with the level of I don't like you to get to I love you. And that practice, it's taken many, many turns and many, many flavors. Um, But I would say just normalizing that the first time you do that practice, it can be really intense and it may bring all sorts of things. But over time, if you keep committing to her, just like any relationship, it takes time to rebuild trust. And I would to do that. Yeah, it breaks down so much conditioning of it's supposed to look a certain way and all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the play party. <laughs> um, so uh, my last play party, my last experience of the night was by far the most profound one I've ever had. I went into that play party technically on my masculine cleanse. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to be with men. Um, I'm not entertaining men. And so I just was really like open and curious how it was going to play out. Um, but the one thing that was said to me when I, right when I walked in the door by one of my friends was there's a world-class flogger here and his floggings will change your life. And for those of you that don't know what a flogger is, it's a, uh, a leather, typically leather sex toy that's got a handle and um, shreds or like threads of leather that uh, come down and it's used for impact. And so it's got a thuddy at times or stingy sensation, depending on where and how you use it. Um, and for me, impact is one of the most profound ways that I've learned to get into my body. Mm. This claiming of taking pain where it used to rule my life with chronic illness and mold sickness and you name it, um, this thing that was happening to me to being able to take ownership of this thing is happening for me. And I actually really love it. And Mm. I get to have control. It's also healing my rigidity too. Like I get to have control of how and when and how hard. Mm. And so I said, okay, you know, this is a professional. We're not technically in an exchange here outside of like what we're agreeing to. So for me, it wasn't um, like breaking my own boundary. He had a wait list. He literally had a list, like a sign-up sheet. Um, and so I go, I put my name on the list and I go up to him and immediately I feel a sense of safety. Like his energy was just so grounded and so present. Um, we spent a couple minutes exchanging, you know, boundaries, what I like. And from the moment I saw him, I was just like, I feel like something big is going to happen here. Mm. And he puts me on a table, which it's kind of like a massage table. Like if you've ever gotten those head and neck massages Mm -hmm. at the airport, except it's a spanking bench. So your ass is up in the air, you're strapped down, heads down on the table. So you can't see what's going on. And you're just at the full mercy of the person that's delivering the spanking. And one of the things that I've learned about myself is I'm highly energetic and learning to really embrace my energy versus going straight to like, penetration or sex like we've talked about like being with the slowness and the stack that this man delivered me so he started with before he ever touched me he just took his hand and he hovered it and every time he moved his hand over my body I would feel a surge of his energy being 
And I began to ride. Like I literally felt this just full body energetic wave just pouring through me before he laid a hand on me. So he was just priming me for what was to come. And then he very methodically started to deliver these blows to my backside and my upper back. So my upper thighs, ass, and my back, where it was really like uh, there was a rhythm to it and it became almost hypnotic. And mm-hmm. so even though there was the anticipation of like, oh, when's it going to happen? He started to like, get me into a rhythm where it was like a light hit, a light hit, and a blow, a light hit, mm-hmm. a light hit, and a blow. And every time his hand or the flogger landed on me, at first, it was the most delicious uh, release of bliss. Like I couldn't stop laughing. And again, it's it was being and meeting myself where I was at. So like mm-hmm. at surface level, there was nothing funny about what was happening, but because yeah. it was such a release, I just rode the waves and I'm like, okay, so first I feel this energy orgasm and then I couldn't stop laughing. And then the second the laughter dissipated and he was continuing to hit um, with each blow, I felt this huge wave of love. Like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. my whole body started to reach this bliss state. And my friend who recommended the spanking saw me. She comes over to my face hole. So my face is in this cradle. And she whispered to me and she said, let it all in. Mm. And I remember, like, I have tears now even thinking about it because it was, I was so open, so open. My body, I mean, there was no thought in my head. I was just being with this huge wave of love and huge wave of bliss that was being achieved through being spanked. Like on paper, none of it made sense. Mm-hmm. And the second he said that, these just guttural sobs came through. Mm-hmm. And I let it all in and I just cried and cried. And, um, at the other side, like he started to bring me back down, right? Like, you know, when they take you on these rides, there's a peak and then we start to come back down and um, he delivered some like really light grounding touch on the other side. And when we, he unstrapped me and he had to like literally pick me up. I was just a puddle at that point because I had never had such openness achieved through impact play. And it was just a profound moment of like, this is what fully embodied feels like Like this is possible when you're fully in your pleasure you accept what is and you're able to be in your body through an entire experience and I left the the experience being so content and so satiated I didn't do anything the rest of the night there was still like 45 minutes left of the play party I curled myself up in a blanket and I just sat in bliss in a corner and just integrated like integrated how good I felt Um, and it was, it was incredible, like how open my body felt. And I had to remind myself, you know, in the integration that that's how I'm designed to feel that state is how I'm designed to feel. And, uh, yeah, I was forever changed. So my friend was right. Um, and this person is supposed to be coming back to Austin in May. Um, and I will absolutely be hiring him again. (laughs) Um, So that's been a theme on this podcast the last month is that trauma integration can be pleasurable. Yes. And that um, I think something about the pleasure is what really like causes like a shift in our 
bodies and our brains, it becomes like muscle memory. And I think it's because when we're experiencing pleasure, our body releases certain chemicals. That's why MDMA is so powerful. So when we're doing this type of work while receiving pleasure from it, it's just, it's another, I don't know the science behind it, but like it just, you know, um, okay. So, uh, probably a lot of people have seen sex life and mm-hmm. the play party that happened there, which was not what you're talking about now. So uh, really quick, I'm curious if, because um, a lot of people are probably wondering, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people, maybe nobody is wondering how did they find a safe play party? Yeah. So um, do your research, find people who are, um, this is how I started to find them as I started to follow people that I could build trust with on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, dominatrixes like Kimmy Inch or Casey Mm -hmm. Neal are two incredible ones. Um, and these people, they, they typically travel. And so when you find someone that you've built trust with, well, first you can ask for referrals, right? So find people that have been to play parties. Um, there's also an incredible community in Brooklyn called Hacienda that hosts them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so find people that, have been and can give you a referral of like, this was a great safe play party or start to do your own research where you find trusted sex educators that are doing this work. And uh, you may have to travel. Like that's just the way that it is. You know, if you're living in a small town in the middle um, of the country, like you may not have access to it there and that's okay. But if you desire it, then be willing to pay for it and be willing to travel. Um, There were people that were from all over the country at this play party and Mm -hmm. because they prioritized it and so I love that this is becoming a thing like that oh, there's really? even a man who this is his yeah. job you know right. to do what he did to you like I, I love it um and I just I hope that the taboo is taken away because it's just it like it's so normal it's get, becoming it's become normal for us to go to therapists for us to you know do all these other things to better our mental health so can we open up to allowing this to be not taboo and and not something that removes safety, you know, from, from relationships. Okay. So I've got, um, like four minutes. So I think we can squeeze in the, the lightning round since they're so quick. So the first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Follow your heart. It will never lead you astray. Mm, So good. Hmm. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Oh, the five personality patterns by far by Stephen. I'm excited. I've never heard of it. If you whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Hmm. Slow down. Hmm. Mm. Be with others. (laughs) And then see what's possible on the other side. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. If uh, people want to be able to work with you uh, and learn how to own their orgasm and all the other amazing things that you teach your one-on-one coaching how can they find you how can they connect with you Mm, so um they can reach me on my instagram it's usually the best way and easiest way um shoot me a dm tell me where you found me i'll love on you and um yeah it's just at bryn daler and i really love my community so deeply and i'd be honored to to have you join that yeah, I'm so so blessed by your posts. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 it it's like uh, they they make me feel less crazy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, less crazy and less alone 
and, yeah. and my desires. So I'm just, I'm really, really thankful for you and for your transparency because mm-hmm. a lot of women would maybe um, be afraid to put that stuff online because they would feel, I know, I mean, you know, my page, I'm very transparent. I share in real time, but uh, a lot of women can feel uh, fear of the judgment or fear of mm-hmm. um, uh, what, you know, what assumptions will come, all of that, you know, and so I'm just so thankful for your transparency and that you, you take us along with you and, and allow us to, to heal with you. So thank you. I'm so happy to do this work alongside of you. And thank you for having me. It means so much. I adore you. Thank you. I love you too so much. All right, you guys, I am so thankful that you guys got to experience Bryn on the show. She's just such a light. She's so amazing. She's so tender and she's just, she's so open and raw and you can feel it in her presence and it, it causes such a softening in my own body. And I think what she's really taught me through any and every message that she ever gives to any question is how to return to love how to come back to love. And I just so appreciate the light that she is. And I hope that this episode was a, a, a light to you and a blessing to your life today. I would love for you to leave a review. If so, I know that uh, if everyone that downloaded it and listened to this episode left a review and hit subscribe, or even just did one or the other, it would make such a big difference. And it's just hitting one button. So if you don't mind taking a second to do that, I'd also like to thank my affiliates, Pleasure Wands and Yoni Eggs. I love my cervical wand and my jade egg that I got from wands.com. That's W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code jade for a discount. I use it for toning and for sex magic and all the things. And then all things CBD at directhemp.com, better way to CBD, code jade. For a discount, higher dose infrared products code Jade75 for $75 off. I love the women who created this brand, you guys. They are just so amazing and I love their products. There is not a day that goes by that I don't use one of their infrared products and it's made such a difference in my life. That's code Jade75 for $75 off. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much again if you would just hit one of the little stars or all five stars (laughs) to leave a review or share this episode with a friend. If someone came to mind while listening to this, it may be because they also need to hear it as well. You can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast. As always be a light, stay open and remember you belong here. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.